Good morning, everybody. We are so glad we get to be with you this morning. Um, uh, yeah, we are, were able to come up this weekend. Um, Stephanie had reached out to us a few weeks ago and said, hey, like, we'd love for you guys to share with our youth group about, you know, the 50 hours trip you just did. Um, can we, like, do a Zoom call? I'm like, well, actually, we're coming up Memorial Day weekend. Um, so we were able to share with them on Friday, which was great. Um, we were worshiping um, at Summer and David's church last night. They did their first ever prayer and worship night. So we are so grateful to be a part of that. It's very, it's the, the Lord is doing a swirl right now in the earth. There has been um, a 21-day call to prayer for Israel that um, IHOP uh, put out. Five million people signed up to participate in this prayer for Israel. That's like crazy. There is no marketing strategy that you can come up with that will get five million people to pray for something for three weeks. That's the Lord. <laughs> and then we also, um, even before they released the, the 21 days, we at MAPS, we had already planned to have a 24-7 going last week. So we just got off of a 24-7. We ended with Summer and David's church, like around the same time we were ending, right, at, at, and back in Richmond. So, and now we're here. So I'm so excited. The Lord's doing something um, in the earth. And it's really exciting. Um, but yeah, so my name's Joanna. This is Caleb. What? Should I sit down? Yeah, you can sit down. I mean, you can stand up here if you want to, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, my name's Joanna. This is Caleb. I'm Deb and Dan's oldest daughter, um, and uh, we have two kids. We have Eva and we have Israel. They were the ones flagging this morning with their ribbon wands. Ribbon wands, here's a pro tip, ribbon wands don't turn into swords as quickly as flags. So you can put that in your pocket. You can get like a 12-pack on Amazon for eight bucks. Great. So um, <laughs> buy some ribbon ones for your children. Um, so anyway, so we are uh, missionaries with an organization called MAPS Global. We're located down in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and we just want to share for a little bit this morning about who we are, the work that we do. We want to share some testimonies with you because we just did the, uh, the 50 hours. So um, we want to share a little bit with you and encourage you um, and stir you up. So uh, we started coming, my family started coming to Hillside uh, back when I was in high school. So James had like, just gotten here. He was like working at Starbies and then coming in and like helping with youth. Um, and Abby was like pregnant with joy and stuff. So it was it was a good while ago. Um, and then Caleb and I met at Global Awakenings uh, School of Ministry back in 2013. Yeah, so 10 years ago. Um, so we, we both went to uh, Rennie Clark School um, and then we fell in love and we got married um, and so we got married in 2015 um, James and Steve married us um, but the Lord spoke to us while we were at Global Awakening he really strongly um, impressed upon us through words and all the things um, that we were supposed to be in missions um, and then around the same time we uh, started getting an invitation to come down to Richmond to work with the House of Prayer and that seemed very weird because we wanted to go on the mission field and why we're going to just move two states away to work with the House of Prayer um, but the Lord really confirmed that we are supposed to go down there so we got married and pretty much immediately moved down there um, so we've been down there since 2015 and we're working with this House of Prayer and the whole time I'm like man I can't wait to be done with this house of prayer thing so I can get back on the mission field and then lo and behold 2019 a missionary organization moves to Richmond and adopts our house of prayer that we've been working with for the past couple of years so 
it is not either or, it is both and more. So I'm like, wow, I'm so, I guess I'm just in this prayer movement thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so they moved um, to Richmond in 2019, um, and then we went through their um, Frontier Mission School in the fall of 2020. And then we were um, overseas uh, in the Middle East for three months with our kids um, in the spring of 2021 during COVID. <laughs> That was great. So uh, what a time to go. <laughs> it was great. There was like nobody going, so we got to go. So um, yeah, we got to lift up the name of Jesus in, in the Middle East. So, um, so yeah, as I said, we work for a missions organization called MAPS Global. We're located um, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and the MAPS Global family exists to pray, preach, and sing in the most unreached regions of the earth until every nation sees and sings the worth of Jesus Christ and the Great Commission is finished in our generation. And we read the Great Commission to you. Um, it's in Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So um, what's interesting, when Jesus said this, when Jesus said nations, we didn't have nations the way that they exist now, like more like political entities. They are more like uh, families, people groups, tribes. So what Jesus is saying here until um, he says, make disciples of all nations, he really means every ethnos, every people group. Um, so a people group, uh, if you don't know, uh, and uh, I'm, this definition I'm getting is from the Joshua Project. So if you guys want to learn a lot about missions, about the unreached, just look up joshuaproject.org. There's tons of great resources. They've got like one thing where you can like get a prayer guide to pray for a different unreached people group every day, um, a lot of data and stuff like that. So, but a people group um, is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planning movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. So, for example, to put in perspective, India has uh, 2,300 people groups. So we think of India and we're like, oh, they're all Indians. Uh, but actually there's 200 or 2,300 distinct people groups um, in India. So, um, so MAPS Global is um, seeking to identify strategic locations within the 1040 window. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up. It's pretty much like North Africa. It's the... It's the Eastern Hemisphere, North Africa going all the way across to China. Um, but uh, we're seeking to identify strategic locations, specifically cities, in the 1040 window and plant regional bases centered around corporate prayer and worship, training, and community. We train and send pioneering leaders mid and long term to serve, strengthen, and build these expressions. Um, so as of right now, um, there are over 7,000 unreached people groups in the world, and most of these are in the 1040 window. So um, MAPS Global is really wanting to target and complete the Great Commission, so we are really targeting on the 1040 window because that is where people need to hear about Jesus. Um, so when we talk about unreached, it doesn't really mean that they're unsaved necessarily, um, but they, the, the unreached and the unsaved are those who have no witnessing community within their people group or in their geographic area. They have no access to the gospel. These people may go their whole life without interacting with the Christian. So the unreached do not only not believe in Jesus, 
they don't even know that there's a Jesus to believe in. Um, so we're working really hard to make the name of Jesus great across the earth. Um, and so uh, we plant mission spaces. We're hoping to have seven by 2028. We currently have one in Eurasia, one in the Middle East, and we are planting one um, on Tuesday. There, we're sending out a team of five souls. We got three adults and two children um, that are going to the Levant region. They're actually getting commissioned this Sunday. Um, so we're sending out another team there, and we're looking to be in the Arab Gulf. Um, the Himalayas and North and East Africa. So, um, so yeah, so we're looking to um, embrace the marriage of day and night prayer with frontier missions and give clear expression to it from our global headquarters, which is our location here in Richmond, uh, to strategic cities across the 1040 window. Um, and where a lot of these, um, these bases, we're, we're modeling them after Antioch, seen in um, Acts 13 and uh, Acts 11. So, um, so anyway, so this morning, I want to invite you guys to participate in the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a calling for every believer. It is not for the elite or for the super smart or the super special, the super apostolic. Um, everyone is called to the Great Commission, but your assignment is going to look different. Um, so um, one way that you can partner with the Great Commission is to pray. So in uh, Matthew 9, Jesus said, um, Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, so you please partner with the Great Commission by praying, especially praying for uh, the places that uh, have never um, had a witness. Um, and you can also partner with us. Another way you can partner with the Great Commission is by giving. Um, John Piper has a quote, you can go, you can give, or you can disobey. That was John Piper, not me. Uh, I'm just repeating it. <laughs> but, um, but you can partner with the Great Commission, even if you only um, you know, can give $5 a month. You guys can partner with us um, and partner with what the Lord is doing. You know, Jesus said the widow who gave like her two pennies uh, in, the, in the temple, he said she gave the most. Right? So the Lord, the math, math in the kingdom is different. Um, but I encourage you guys, if you, if you feel the Lord um, stirring on your heart to partner with the Great Commission, um, to pray about partnering with us. Um, but yeah, I also wanted to, um, I talked a little bit about this. We're in a unique moment with all this uh, prayer that's happening around the world. Um, but uh, we're, even just this timeline in history, we're just in such a unique moment in time. Um, we can get anywhere in the world in a day. You know, think about like a hundred years ago. If I wanted to go to Africa a hundred years ago, I would have had to take a boat and I could have died on the way. You know, I can get there and I'm probably going to live. <laughs> um, and, you know, we know where, um, we have so much data right now. Think about, we, there can be a natural disaster or any sort of disaster in the world. We're going to hear about it within hours, if not minutes. Um, we're so connected right now. We have, the, we have the technology to be able to get to all the people on the earth. We know where all the unreached people groups are. There is enough wealth in America alone to fund a missions base in each of the um, individual people groups. So this over 7,000 people groups, there's enough wealth in America alone to fund missionaries to go to each of the 7,000 people groups. So a uh, question I have for you, why do you think that you are alive? right now? Have you ever considered it? God ordains the times and the seasons, and he ordained when you were to be born. You, didn't, well, you weren't born 100 years ago. You weren't born, you know, a thousand years ago. You were born right now, and it's, uh, I want you to ponder, why, Lord, did you have me be born in this unique moment of history? 
Um, and, you know, this generation has the most unique assignment in human history. And when I say generation, I mean, like, newborn babies to those who are on their, um, those who are wealthy in years. Um, you know, you don't age out of partnering with the Lord. You don't age out of serving him. Think about Moses. Think about Abraham. Think about Simeon and Anna waiting at the end of their life in the temple, waiting to see Jesus. They didn't age out of that. They didn't say, I'm too old for this, and go home. You know, the Lord has something for you at every stage in your life. Um, and I would encourage you, say yes to following the Lord, and you will find yourself in a story that you could have never dreamed of. You, you will find yourself in a story you would never dreamed of. The Lord has so much bigger dreams and plans for you than you could ever dream of for yourself. Um, but I, there are so many things that you could be doing with your life. But I would encourage you to let your heart be stirred to say, as, as Jesus prayed, Lord, I want to be with you where you are and to keep saying yes to God. The Christian walk, I heard, uh, I think this is um, from Eugene Peterson, who um, wrote the message uh, paraphrase of the Bible, but he described the Christian walk as like a long obedience in the same direction. It's just that those like continuous yeses, that staying faithful, continuing to serve the Lord. So, uh, yeah, so, and one, one more thing. Uh, thing to encourage you. The work of the, the Christian life is to stay in a place of encounter with Jesus, right? So our no to sin, our resistance to sin is only as good as our turning and saying yes to God, right? So if we're just resisting sin, but we're not encountering Jesus, what are we resisting for, right? You know, we're just then we're just, uh, as, as Jesus described the Pharisees, we're just whitewashed tombs. We're just appearing to be pure and, uh, without actually encountering God and getting that purity of heart. Um, but uh, yeah, so you can have as much of God as you want, right? But you actually have to slow down and take the time to behold his beauty. So anyway, so that's MAPS. That's what we do. Um, I want to share a couple of uh, quick testimonies with you. Well, I have a lot. Um, I'll have testimonies with you. So we um, recently uh, put on a 50 hours. So uh, some of you might have seen the documentary that we showed a year or two ago. I can't remember. It was a while ago. We should, MAPS put out a um, documentary. You can look it up on YouTube. It's free. You just look up 50 Hours MAPS Global um, and it'll pop up. It's only like an hour long. Um, but uh, we, we started putting on these um, 50 Hours events uh, back in 2015. And what is this? Just 50 hours of continuous prayer and worship in the Middle East. And we have um, lots of different houses of prayer that we're connected with across the Middle East, not just um, at our bases, uh, participate in these 50 hours. They usually fall on the end of Ramadan. So all of the prayer uh, that went up during Ramadan, we get to tear down in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so, uh, so it's a concert of prayer and worship across uh, the 1040 window. So this year, um, we, we went uh, April something, late April, for a couple of days. Um, so we, and we actually sent 75 people overseas um, to participate, which is the most we've ever sent, I think, like, maybe before it's been, like, uh, 20 at the most. So, um, so we were able to send 75 individuals. Um, we were able to strengthen our long-term teams um, and lift up the name of Jesus and cover the Muslim world in prayer and worship. So um, in Eurasia, so um, Eurasia is um, an interesting uh, country. So there are, this country that we're in, uh, in Eurasia, there are only 10,000 Christians out of 80 million people. 
There are churches in America that have more Christian population than this entire country. So 10,000 Christians for 80 million people. And that's what we mean when we say unreached. Like you can go your entire life without passing a church, without encountering a Christian, without um, crossing a, uh, having a Bible cross your path. So there's, uh, so Eurasia was having, um, during their 50 hours, um, they were doing like a rapid fire prayer and this one girl came up and she started repenting for the sins of her country. And this was like brand new, like the, um, one of our long-term workers, her eyes were like super wide. She's like, oh my gosh. So um, they, the pastor there said they've never had anything happen like this in the 10 years that they've been worshiping and praying that somebody just spontaneously uh, came up and felt led to, to repent. And so uh, the pastor came up and, and uh, you know, agreed with what they were praying. Said, we, I want us all to partner with this. Um, and said, you know, get in line and you can repent for something. The line was out the door to repent on the microphone um, for, for their nation. And um, they were just praying for mercy over their nation. Um, and we uh, also, they were also able to participate in some prophetic ministry to the local church. So the, this house of prayer, it's like, uh, it's in tandem with a, it's, with the church. Um, they meet in the basement of the church, I believe. Um, so 30% or so of this uh, church body had become Christians in the last six months, so super baby Christians. Um, and so they were able, the short-term team was able to prophesy over people, and this was like their first prophetic word ever. Like, it's a complete stranger and the Lord speaking to them. A lot of them said they uh, received confirming prophetic words from the short-term short team. Um, but the um, the pastor of the church there, he said, ever since we started prayer and worship in our church, so previously the house of prayer has been in a separate location, but now they kind of combined and they're in the same building. But ever since we started prayer and worship in our church, more people are getting saved, having supernatural encounters and stumbling into the prayer room than ever before. If any more people get saved, we won't have enough people to disciple them. We cannot handle this acceleration. And this is a completely different narrative from three years ago. This nation can be a very difficult one for the for the gospel to spread. Some people have been there for years, never seen a salvation, and they're seeing people come to the Lord. It's amazing, amazing. Um, and then we also had a team in the Arab Gulf. Um, the Arab Gulf has between 30 and 50 believers out of 3 million people. Very, very, very small um, Christian population. Um, so uh, for this house of prayer that's located there, this was their first ever 50 hours they participated in. Um, and we had some team members travel, and MAPS has been um, releasing some music on, um, on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube and stuff, um, just songs that are coming out of our prayer room. So some of our team members traveled 6,000 miles and heard songs that they wrote um, being sung in the prayer room. Um, and there, there was a time, I think it was, they said it was the last hour of the 50 hours, and they were singing um, one, of our, um, one of our worship uh, spontaneous choruses, and nobody from, uh, our, from MAPS was on that set, and nobody had been singing that song um, previously uh, during the 50 hours. It was just something that they knew. Um, so it was really great for them to see like how our prayer room and what we're building here in Richmond is uh, affecting the nations. Um, and they also had, um, uh, they, they weren't able to meet in the space where they were holding the house of prayer, so they were doing in the evening. So in the evening, they packed up and moved into a living room, um, and they said they really just felt the Holy Spirit um, burn on their hearts for certain people groups in, in that area. Um, they said one team member was like in travail, like crying, laying on the floor. Um, he went into the kitchen to try and find a, get a snack, they found him laying on the floor in the kitchen on his face, crying out for this people group. Um, and that, you know, that is only, only the Lord, you know. You, can't, you cannot manufacture 
um, your heart breaking like that. Um, and then in our Middle East missions base, uh, one of the team members who went there, um, she described it as a family reunion with brothers and sisters we had never met. Um, and she, they also said the prayer room was shoulder to shoulder through the room, um, in the room, it was crowded, um, and over 300 people participated. And that prayer room can fit 50 people, maybe? Yeah, that is the most indigenous participation they've ever had. So a lot of times when we do these events, it will be a lot of Westerners coming over and they're kind of carrying it. Um, and this year, um, over half of the worship time was in Arabic from local believers. Um, and they, they said even um, our long-term team there, they've been uh, really working hard learning Arabic. And so they were even singing like some prophetic choruses in Arabic and then switching to English. And just they said the room engagement was so powerful. Um, but yeah, they just had just, uh, they said it was a historical amount of involvement um, in, in, the, in that area. And then... Yeah, there's only a couple, yeah, a thousand Christians in that country, so, yeah. So, and I think, um, f uh, yeah, so, and then uh, Caleb and I uh, were able to go to the Levant region, um, which is also in the Middle East. Um, we also experienced a lot of church engagement. One of our team members had been there for the 50 hours two years ago, and he said, man, when we came, there was like nobody here. We were doing it like almost the entire time. We had to really carry the 50 hours. Um, and we had, was it four churches? Four other churches outside of the church that was hosting it participate um, in the 50 hours. And over there, it's very, um, it's even more so difficult to get churches to work together um, as it is here in America. So having that um, church engagement was, was huge, huge, huge. Um, we ended up leading a, a night watch the first night. We were in there from midnight to 7 a.m. Praise the Lord. Uh, and it, we, there was just so much grace on it to be able to go seven hours through the night while we're jet lagged um, and stuff like that. There, we just saw so much breakthrough worshiping and praising Jesus and lifting him up through the night. Um, and uh, in this uh, particular prayer room, for whatever, I don't quite understand why, but uh, for whatever reason, um, in, in this prayer room, they will preach in English and they'll sing their songs in English a lot. They've experienced a lot of hardship in this nation in the past 10 years, even, um, you know, a little atypical for the Middle East. Um, but they've experienced a lot of hardship um, and there's be even been a little bit of a rejection of their identity, um, I think. So they've, they've been singing a lot in English and one of our guys um, who actually founded the House of Prayer um, in the Middle East uh, mission space, he was on our team. Um, and uh, he made a point to sing spontaneously in Arabic to stir them up. Um, and the leader of the House of Prayer, he said that he felt like really convicted, like, why aren't we like singing in Arabic? And why aren't we writing songs in Arabic? Why are we only doing it in English? You know, the Lord um, in Malachi 1.11, it says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered to my name. And in every place is not going to be American English worship. It is going to be indigenous languages um, singing a spontaneous song coming out of uh, their heart and their unique language. So that was really great that we were able to um, stir them up in that way. Um, and we also got to see somebody pray uh, Romans 11, one of the locals there, um, which is um, uh, Romans 11 said, 
I ask, did they, Israel, stumble in order that they might fall? By no means, rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. So um, if you don't know, there's a little bit of some turmoil between Israel and the surrounding nations, um, and quite a bit of animosity. Um, and we were in the prayer room, and we saw a local um, praying, he was uh, the drummer, he was praying, he's like, we have to go night and day here in our nation so that we can provoke Israel to jealousy. Um, it was so incredible to see. Um, uh, in Romans 11, it goes on to say, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So it's just really cool to see um, so much of the story of the Bible, just kind of being in where it's taking place um, and stuff like that was just really incredible and we were super blessed to be a part of it. Again, I was like telling Caleb when we came back, like, I never could have planned this. I never like could have imagined that we would be here in this storyline. It was just our continuous yes to the Lord. So um, I just want to pray for you guys real, real quick and then um, I will pass it off to Steve. So what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, please go ahead. I want to pray with you, but one of the cool things when I was, there's a lot of time, uh, so these base in Levant, um, Levant's been in major turmoil, and it's uh, bordering another country that's even more turmoil, um, uh, Syria, um, and they have all these refugees coming into the country, essentially, so this base that we are at essentially does outreach to the Syrian refugees that are in the city, which culturally those countries have major animosity, so just even having indigenous, indigenous people from Levant ministering to Syrians is a, a thing in itself. Um, but there's essentially, they minister, have... Uh, a, they're not refugee camps, but they're schools for over about, they have over a thousand plus Syrians that they're under, under in their camps and stuff, and they're sharing the gospel with them. And essentially through these camps, they're continuously having dreams, visions, encounters of Jesus. And now uh, they're actually have opened doors and they're going into Syria and have planted churches in Syria, essentially where these villages that have been raged by the war, they are now able to get in there, these places, and there's radicals that are um, with Islam and stuff like that, and they're encountering Jesus, essentially having these major assault of Paul. So we're finding as we're doing this prayer and worship and coupling it with evangelism that there's such an effective advance of the gospel in areas that are just historically um, extremely hard. Um, yeah, and the work we do is like a, with Joshua Project, they call it considered pioneering missions. So we're going to places where there's nothing and putting, making something. So yeah, yeah, and one testimony, I was uh, in the house of prayer and there's this young fellow that was there the pretty much the entire time. It was really impressive. I was like, man, how are you alive? And he was an indigenous uh, fellow and uh, I ended up talking to him for an extended amount of time and uh, he pretty much says he has a hard time worshiping, which is funny because I'm like, hey, you're, you're in this room the whole time. And... Um, Essentially, he has a he's gone through so much trauma that he said he can't. Um, he all of his creativity is not there anymore. Essentially, his literally, if you're a psychologist or anything, anything, if a person with high trauma will lose. I'm looking to Stephanie. Stephanie can say yes to this. If you have a lot of trauma in your life, you lose a lot of that creative element of your brain. Um, they'll do a lot of like counseling with us, two truths and a lie, and they cannot create a lie. They can just, because they just can't, they don't have the creative realm. So I was praying for this fellow, and I just, uh, 
um, asking for breakthrough uh, for him and just stuff like that. And the next day he comes up to me weeping pretty much and saying, hey, I was last night able to write for the first time cause it, for a long time and uh, was asking the Lord. And he was like essentially just releasing creative stuff and he's like let me show you some things i wrote and it was like it was like a fictional novel like it wasn't even it was like literally in the realm of creativity it wasn't like i wrote something no he's like his creative aspects were being opened up so it's cool but there's just a lot of uh amazing breakthrough and um yeah god god is moving in the nations so yeah 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 and what joanna said i just want to say one thing we find we we go to churches a lot now and share about the Great Commission and stuff like that. And we find um, most commonly that the reason why people don't go or don't participate in the Great Commission has little to do with the knowledge of it. It mostly has to do with the heart of man. Um, it says in Matthew 9, Matthew 9 is like a common prayer for the Great Commission. It's uh, essentially... Um, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out labors. And that term few right there ha is not a quantitative term per se for the amount of people. It's quantitative in the sense of heart. So when he was speaking to his disciples, he was pretty much saying, you have puny hearts. You don't your heart's too small to be able to participate in the Great Commission. So we find in our sending organization, we bring through people through our organization to send them to the nations. And our, one of our core things is we say we don't send people. Jesus sends people. We set people before Jesus. They encounter his heart. They encounter his nature. And then they go because they're consumed by who he is. And we realize, I mean, we're all in this room as Christians because at one point in time, we encountered Jesus. It was just like a, someone said, hey, they gave, the, they gave the story of Jesus and there's a something of his nature that encountered us that marked us forever. Or some of us just were, um, had dreams, visions, encounters, those little things or the Lord. Um, and those little, we find that it just takes a little glimpse of him to say yes. So we want to pray for this house, but even just for this valley in this area, and we are going to ask the Holy Spirit to encounter us. Um, if we study missions, especially to the unreached, it can get really depressing really quick. Um, essentially, um, to the unreached, there's not really any money. 90% of missionaries go to already reached areas. Um, and about half the world doesn't even have any really access to the gospel at all. So there's a sense that we need an outpouring of the spirit. We need that Jesus to encounter America uh, in particular. And we can ask that the Jesus encounter this valley and send many into his story and what he's doing. Um, Joanna and me and our story was many of those long little things, but it's like, it's not like we were pursuing missions in a sense, like in the sense, in other words, when we start encountering, he draws us into his story in unique ways. And he just keeps saying yes. So, I want to, I think we want to pray. We invite you to partner with us, but we want you to invite you to partner with us spiritually. There is a value of asking the Lord for revival in this valley because the inheritance of the Lord from this valley could be a full nation, could be millions of people that um, will encounter Jesus. So yeah, we want to pray for that right now. And
No, it's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I want you. If you guys could stand up, and we just pray together for a minute. Yeah, I'll let you start praying, and you can talk. Um, and before we pray, I also want to say too, if any of you guys want to talk to us about missions, have questions, anything like that, we have a lot of um, maps, cards, and booklets and stuff. We'd love to uh, leave with you guys. So if you want to ask us anything, please feel free to uh, grab us after the service. Um, but yeah, I just want to uh, pray. Um, and I felt um, felt led to pray out of um, Isaiah 42 in verse 3. And that says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. And this verse is talking about, um, you know, the Lord coming to us in our weakness and not squashing us, but, uh, but coming to us and healing us and strengthening us. So Lord Jesus, I just want to lift up this congregation to you this morning. Um, Lord, I ask that we would gaze upon your beauty. Lord, I ask that um, you would draw us closer to you, that you would um, continue to pour out hunger on our hearts, that you would draw us in closer to you, that you would um, show us your heart for people we've never met or even heard of, that you would burden us for the people that you loved so much and so dearly. And Lord, I lift up this uh, family to you, and Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them, that you would continue to um, pour out creativity on them, um, that um, that you would uh, you would be like the voice from behind, when you turn to the left or to the right saying this is the way walk in it Lord I ask that you would um, give your direction to these people Lord um, and that you would continue to strengthen them Lord I ask that you would mark them with joy with the joy of the Lord that the joy of the Lord would be their strength the joy of the Lord would set them apart Lord I ask that you would pour out your spirit on them and Lord we ask uh, even for the those who are weakened who are broken those who who feel like giving up who feel like they might not have anything left to them to give Lord we agree with your word that a bruised reed you will not break and a faintly burning wick you will not quench. Lord, you say that your power is made perfect in weakness and when we're at our most weak, you can move the most strong. So Lord, we thank you for this, for Hillside. Lord, we thank you um, for the way that they have partnered with us over the years. Um, Lord, we ask that you would pour out your blessing over them because of it. And Lord, we ask that you would come and strengthen hearts today. Lord, we ask that you would um, draw people in closer to you that you would reveal your love to people um that you would pour out your spirit on them yes i agree and holy spirit we ask have mercy on millersburg jesus lord we need you we need you lord holy spirit we just ask that you will break in into those hopeless storylines, Father, Lord, that you will rewrite destinies in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you pluck people out of darkness in the name of Jesus. Those that are trapped in, 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 with drugs and heroin and these things, Jesus, we ask, pluck them out of darkness in the name of Jesus. Set them on a firm foundation, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask for a fresh moving of your Holy Spirit upon your bride in this valley in the name of Jesus. That she will be able to speak with a fresh boldness, with a fresh courage. That she will be a light of hope in the name of Jesus in this valley. Lord, we thank you that you have sent and you will continue sending uh, uh, missionaries and laborers to the nations, Father Lord. And Jesus, we just ask, come and move. Come and move in this valley, Father. And Lord, I just ask, I just want to pray over, I just ask for an Isaiah 61 anointing upon this house and over the church of this valley, uh, uh, 
the church of this valley in the name of Jesus. We say that the, the spirit of the Lord is upon us because the Lord has appointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison uh, to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, and the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastation. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of generations." Lord, we thank you that you are a restorer. Lord, even sometimes where we 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 look upon our lives and it just seems like things are broken or like we're just going off track or something like that. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you are the writer of our story. And we place our trust in you, Jesus. And we ask, come and move, restore, redeem, heal. Father, though, though even what Joanna was saying, the bruised reeds, Father, the ones that are tender and broken and that need you Jesus we Lord we ask for a grace upon this house to come alongside those and hold them in the name of Jesus to just hold them in the presence of God Lord we thank you as we behold you we become like you Lord we gaze upon your beauty father Lord I just ask we just ask we just said we need we need a fresh moving of your spirit in this house in this valley in the name of Jesus Lord we ask for a breaking of contentment for where we are at Jesus Lord you you are the <laughs> you give us hunger father so we ask, come, Lord Jesus, come. Move, 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 because we need you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless you guys. Amen. Amen. We get to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go away. Why don't you guys stand right over here so we make room for everybody. I'm going to invite you all to gather around the Hextels and pray over them. Some of you may not know the Hextels yet. Uh, most everybody who's been a part of the house really knows Joanna well. She's a, she's a daughter of the house. This isn't a missions group that we brought in to introduce. This is a daughter that we've sent out. And then Caleb married her and took her away from us down to North Carolina, I mean, you know, Virginia, wherever it is, somewhere south. And that's where we've forgiven him for that. I've, you know, I've wrestled with Jesus enough. We've come to a place that maybe your father-in-law hasn't come to that place yet, but you know, that's all. But come on up front and gather around. I want to bless these guys and we want to lay hands on them and pray. Get right over here so we can surround you. And I want to exhort you while you're coming forward about a couple of things. As, as these guys were sharing today, um, it is easy in the Western world, in places that have already become, if you will, civilized by the gospel. We've had generation upon generation of gospel influence, churches planted, awakenings, and, and all of that in the United States of America. And it's easy for us to forget 
that not every place yet is conquered, that there's plenty of spiritual wilderness out there. And I'm, I'm always overwhelmed. These guys have shared these numbers before and have gone and done my own homework on it. How many people don't even know the name Jesus, much less what the gospel is and, and what, what you know the faith is all about. So I want to exhort all of you. We were kind of joking around a little bit this morning about the old Keith Green song, Jesus Commands Us to Go. Should be the exception if we stay. It's no wonder we're moving so slow when God's children are so called to stay. And it's really, it's convicting. I, I think you might have gone too far. Not everybody's called to plant up themselves overseas. But more of us are called to go than have responded to it. That I'm convinced of. So I want to exhort you, first of all, connect with these guys. Um, if you don't know them, you are going to love them when you get to know them. Their spirit is so genuine. They are firebrands. Uh, they have been for a long time, and now they're going and just doing amazing things. They're going to places where it is, your life is in danger for baptizing people into Christ and being baptized into Christ. You, you just put yourself on a list, and your life is now in danger. We don't know what that feels like. What we Americans call persecution, uh, it's, just, it's such drama, what we call persecution in comparison to what these guys endure. So by all means, get around them and find out. Maybe you're called to go sometime and join with them on a 50-hour trip where you just go minister to the Lord someplace where the, where the darkness is overwhelming. The natural condition of all things is dark, cold, empty, and void. That's just what it's like until God gets a hold of it. And we're called to go and be the light of the world. We're called not just to stay. So maybe you connect with them. Maybe you connect with us. We're going to Liberia, which is a place where the gospel has been preached, but they're in need of a, a fresh new thing. We're training some people that minister in Guinea, which is like 4% Christian. And I believe at some point, we're going to, as we connect with these guys that are going in, we're going to go into Guinea ourselves, and we're going to go someplace where it's dangerous to preach the gospel. Last time, some of the pastors had their churches burned to the ground while they were in the conference with us. So we, you guys all remember, we took the offering here, and we blessed them and helped them rebuild their churches. But we're called to go to places like that, too, to take of the overflow and abundance of what God's given us and go someplace and, and do something with it. So we'll have an information meeting about that soon but i really urge you there is something about how about it guys caleb and joanna can testify once you set foot someplace and see it with your own eyes hear it with your own ears smell it with your own nose the smells i remember was the thing that really captured me that i'll never forget and experience the spirit of an atmosphere, you're going to find that this well of compassion, you didn't even know how deep it was, all of a sudden bursts out, and you can't wait to go back to people that you just met for the first time that you've known all your life is the way it feels. So that's, uh, I'm just kind of putting an appendix and adding on to their exhortation, which was so good and so spot on, and what we needed to hear. Don't get so comfortable. Don't get so comfortable. When Jesus told everybody, take no thought for what you will wear or what you will eat, he was speaking to people, mainly ministering to their anxiety. But I felt the Lord refresh it in my spirit today. That we Americans take all of our thought about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, what we're going to do, all of these things about the comforts of life. I believe it's time for us to stretch ourselves out. And when we do it and respond in obedience to the Lord, we're going to be amazed at how much compassion compels us to go and do the next thing. So let's bless these guys. And if anybody else wants to prophesy or bless them over the microphone, by all means, come and uh, just stick your hand out and I'll hand it to you. Father, we are so honored to have a son and daughter like this 
who ministered among us and now have gone and are called to go. I marvel at their story. I rejoice over their story. I rejoice at the way that you took them step by step, moving them out of all things comfortable and into the realm of constant wilderness, never knowing what's going to happen next, only knowing that you're gone before them. And we bless them in that. We pray that their spirit will remain strong, that they'll be steadfast and immovable, knowing that none of their labor in the Lord's ever been in vain, that they will continue to be excited about going, that you'll give them continually the visions, the dreams to stir their heart, that they'll be refreshed and renewed in their call, that they won't grow weary in well-doing, but rather be energized in their well-doing and find new strength, that they would mount up with wings like eagles as they continue to just serve you you before them and you behind them, you strengthening them, you in them, flowing out through them. And in every way, God, use them powerfully. We receive their words today. And we ask you, Father, to make the exhortation go deep, that not a one of us would miss an, a, even a little bit of the calling of God to go, to get out of comfortable places and go someplace just to see you move and to see that the Great Commission is as great today as it was 2,000 years ago. The need is great, and so is the fruit of it. So Holy Spirit, come and keep our hearts in a place of deep conviction about that. Make us a responsive people. Hallelujah. Bless them and anoint them fresh each and every day, Lord. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. Why don't you um, set yourselves up in the back by the door so nobody can get past you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, and by the way, apart from being amazing at going, there's like a hug ministry on this man. If you've been down, just let him hug you and wrap you up in a Caleb hug, man. You are, you don't even need to pray for you. You got exactly what you need. I'm going to just close with one last exhortation. It is Memorial Day weekend. And um, uh, in America, we get the Memorial and Veterans Day kind of mixed up a little bit. Veterans Day is when we honor people who have been to war and came home from that war. Memorial Day is when we thank the Lord for those who laid down their lives to have what we have today. And, of course, as a nation, we have freedom. We have the life of prosperity that we live because millions of people over the years have laid down their lives given as abraham lincoln so well put it their last full measure of devotion demonstrated the greatest love that can be that they laid down their life for their friends we also in the church rest on the shoulders of hundreds of millions of those who have laid down their lives for the gospel who have gone places and risked their lives half of the new testament was written by people who, well, almost all of it other than John, laid down their lives in the preaching of the gospel, going places where it was scary. So while we're having our picnics and playing, whatever plans you got for tomorrow, I want to urge you not to forget to stop and give thanks. Thanksgiving is the beginning of having a heart to protect what others have paid a price for. If we take it for granted, I mean, you know, we have the picture of the spoiled brat or the trust fund kid who has everything handed to them. And the only, the only, you don't have to be spoiled. We don't have to become spoiled just because we've been blessed so much. The key not to becoming spoiled is to be thankful, to pause. So there is a celebration down at the square. I, I, I'll confess I've been guilty of not going every year. I've only been three or four times in all of our years in Millersburg. Felt really convicted about it. Um, so we'll be there with our family. But to do something, impart it to our kids, and remember, remember it ourselves. 
The generation that fails to give thanks is just one step away from losing everything that people paid a price for to, to secure for us. So um, thank the Lord for all of what we've got and enjoy your celebration. Thank God it's going to be a beautiful day and uh, we'll have a great time together. God bless you. Have an awesome week in Jesus and I will see you around in the plan.